planning to record. I just clicked record. I'm glad I had a note about that. Hi, welcome, Christy. I'm just muting your microphone. There we go. So welcome, everybody. I'm, uh, I am recording our Zoom experience, so you can come back to this if you want to. It's just the audio. Um, once again, if you want to just see the person who's talking, which right now is going to be me, but we'll have some other people doing different pieces of worship coming up. Uh, you hover up on the, on the right-hand side and choose which kind of view you want. If you want the speaker on the big screen, you choose speaker view. But if you want to see everybody's faces or at least 25 of them at once, then you press gallery view. Uh, just like on a Sunday morning in the SMC building, we welcome visitors and guests. And so I thought, I'm just going to scroll over to see who else is with us. I want to give a chance to anyone who doesn't usually join us for worship to say, oh, there. So I see Isaac. Hello, Isaac. Um, Isaac is joining us from Chapel Hill. Isaac is a pastor in Chapel Hill, and he's checking out Zoom Church. He's a good buddy of Megan's. Do you want to say hi, Isaac? Hello. Yes. Thank you all, friends. So glad to join you all. Um, just in the conversation with Megan earlier this week. Uh, just trying to learn about how you all are doing Zoom Church because it looks like we're moving to that at Chapel Home tonight as well. So thank you all for your virtual hospitality here. Um, and then also uh, Catherine, another person from our church, uh, hopefully will be uh, us too. So thanks again. Welcome. Would anyone else like to introduce themselves or a guest that they've invited for Zoom Church? You can unmute yourself to say hello. Ah, finally. It seems like maybe not. Hey, I'm um, Catherine Lee. I'm also part of Chapel Home Mennonite and um, work with the kids at our church. And so I asked Isaac, I was like, can I come in and, and, and see how things go too? So thanks for having me. It's great to meet you. Welcome to our virtual church. Well, I am so grateful. Um, and I'm grateful that Michael is has been willing to... Um, play our gathering music. So I am going to mute my microphone and allow Michael Bade to play us into worship. So I changed what I was gonna play today just because I thought what this was more appropriate. And also, if you wanna sing along, you can sing along. It's the, the old Stephen Foster song, Hard Times. And I thought it might be a little more fun to, and I've got a delay, so I'm gonna take my headphones off. Let us pause in life's pleasures and count our many tears while we share our sorrows with the poor. There's a song that will linger forever in our ears. Oh, hard times come again no more. This is the part you can sing on. Tis a song, the sigh of the weary. Hard times, hard times come again no more. And many days you have lingered around my cabin door. Oh, hard times come again no more. There's a poor drooping maiden who toils her life away with a warm heart whose better days are o'er. Though her voice may be merry, 
It's sighing all the days. Oh, hard times come again no more. Tis a song, the sigh of the weary. Hard times, hard times come again no more. Many days you have lingered around my cabin door. Oh, hard times come again no more. While we see mirth and beauty and music light and gay, there are frail forms fainting at our door. Though their voices are silent, their pleading looks will say, Oh, hard times come again no more. Tis a song, the sigh of the weary. Hard times, hard times come again no more. Many days you have lingered around my cabin door. Oh, hard times come again no more. Oh, hard times come again no more. Thank you, Michael. Uh, I would like to invite us all into a call to worship, and your response is we want to see and so when i if everyone can see me i will indicate when it's your turn to speak the response again is we want to see we gather as disciples ready to step onto the wilderness road but dust clouds our vision holy god we want to see we gather as followers of the way but ashes dim our view jesus we, we want, want to, to see, see. As we turn our faces toward Jerusalem, may the veil be lifted and our visions cleared. Spirit, come. We, we want, want to see. see. Uh, each Sunday at Seattle Mennonite Church, we acknowledge the land on which we gather. And here in Seattle, it is the land of the Duwamish people who are our neighbors still and thriving in this place. And last Sunday, unexpectedly, we were delighted to be able to acknowledge the land of other places as well. So if anybody would be willing to unmute their mics and name the land if you know it of the people on which on whose land you are worshiping this morning i would welcome folks chiming in to name the first peoples uh, of your place out here in carnation we're on snoqualmie land thank you We acknowledge the land of the Chippewa and Ottawa and Potawatomi in Michigan. Thank you. It's good to see your faces too. Here in Hood River, Oregon, we're on the land of the Dog River Wasco Indians. Thank you. Folks, each Sunday at Seattle Mennonite Church, we light our peace candle to both acknowledge that we both witness to and participate in God's just peace for all creation.
we light this candle too to remember that God is with us, this flame that is not super visible on your screens, but it is lit and God is present with us. And together we pray. We long for peace. peace. We pray for, pray peace. for peace. We choose to we live, choose for, to live peace. for peace. And once again, I want to remind folks to mute their mute your microphones if you can, please. Uh, we have a theme song, or we have had a theme song through Lent, and again, uh, Michael's going to lead us in our theme song, In Silence We Wait, and uh, you are welcome to sing along from your places, but uh, so sing with the people that you are with, uh, but again, please keep your microphone muted so the, the camera's not jumping around. It's really short, so let's do it three times, I guess, and in silence we wait in darkness you come to us bring us your light in silence we wait in darkness you come to us bring us your light in silence we wait, in darkness you come to us, bring us your light. And last week, Megan taught us gestures for our passing of the peace. Even when we're in person, we are trying at Seattle Mennonite Church too pass peace with consent for touch. We are not able to touch each other, although certainly in families you may offer peace in whatever way you prefer. But I'm going to offer you the peace of Christ in this way. May the peace of Christ be with you. And you are invited also to follow those gestures as we say it together. May the peace of Christ be with you all. Oh, I just love seeing everyone doing that together. The peace of Christ be with you. Um, I, had, I had a whole children's story planned. Last week I did a, a praying in color, which I had planned for worship anyway. And this week I found, a, I found a, a book that I, trying to make my screen big so you can see me the biggest and I just can't quite do it. So that's okay. Well, I'm going to do my best. I found a book called The Breaking News, which, which uh, is about sort of any big news. And if, any, if there are kids watching, um, you can pay attention to the pictures and what you see and how people are feeling in this book as we, as we look at this book together. This is called The Breaking News. And it's about hearing, hearing news that's so big that everybody is listening to it together. So here we have this family. I remember when we heard the bad news. This family's doing things together. You can notice how the expressions on the family's faces are changing. They realize there's some kind of bad news happening. Suddenly, mom is glued to the television. Dad can't stop checking his phone. 
you whisper, and I pretend not to hear, it is more than a little scary. Sometimes when we hear bad news, we just want everyone to stop and just go back to normal. Something feels more dangerous, scary. Mom forgets to tuck me in. Dad is too tired for bedtime stories. It seems like everyone else feels it too. I think we hear the same when there's some kind of bad big news. We hear the same kinds of words and phrases. People are talking to each other and talking about it. At school, my teacher says, look for the helpers. Even when the news is bad, you can still find good people trying to do good things to make things better in big ways and small ways. I want to help in a big way. I decide to put on the funniest show ever to make everyone laugh again. The grown-ups don't feel like laughing. I tell them about the force fields I'll invent to keep us all safe. But their smiles are tiny and sad. Am I on, a, I'm on, the wrong, I'm on the wrong picture, aren't I? There we go. There are those force fields. Tell about the force fields. I try to be on my best behavior all the time to be so, so good, but they hardly even notice. I think maybe there is nothing I can do to help in a big way. I feel so small. <clears throat> so maybe I can try to do just one small thing. And maybe another, and another, and one more. And maybe small things don't solve everything. The bad news is still there after all. <coughs> but then again, you can notice how people's expressions are starting to change a little bit. And again, so are wonder what's happening. So are we. Then again, so are we. See this family doing something hopeful together by planting seeds. That's something that I'm doing right now in my garden. It's making me feel better. And I see neighbors. The bad news that we're experiencing right now is something scary called a coronavirus. And I wasn't sure about this last picture. These people might be a little too close together, but uh, I do see them outside and I see neighbors helping neighbors and I see people smiling at each other and continuing to be community with each other. And I am grateful. I am grateful that we at church can, that can continue to be community with each other. And this book called... The Breaking News. I will put a link to this book in the chat. Uh, so if anyone wants to um, 
look for that, they can find it. Sadly, not at the library right now. Um, but I think they do have an ebook at the Seattle Public Library, which is available. And uh, I'm grateful to be community with all of you. And as we consider our bad news, I invite Melanie to offer our prayers of the people. Hi, everyone. I'm grateful to be with you today. We will um, be offering one opportunity for prayer, and at that point, you can feel free to unmute yourself. It will be in the midst of uh, the fuller prayer that I will offer. But I just want to offer a moment of noticing right now, noticing how you're feeling, what you're experiencing. There has been so much change in the last week, in the last two weeks. So much uncertainty and a whole series of emotion and feelings probably overcoming us at certain points. Let's take an opportunity to really ground ourselves and take in a breath. <sighs> I invite you to take in another breath. Let it out with a sigh. <sighs> Notice your feet on the floor. Notice what you're sitting on. Notice the space around you. And keep breathing as we pray together. <clears throat> Creator God, you looked at dust and were inspired. With your breath, it became alive. Your beloved Jesus took mud and turned it to the work of healing and vision. We, your creatures, come to you beautiful and fragile, longing for recreation and new life, longing for your touch for your wholeness. Meet us in the dust and ashes of our desolation as we raise our prayers to you. Hear the prayers we speak, hold the prayers that we do not. We pray for gig workers and artists business owners, and others whose livelihoods are impacted by isolation measures. We pray for our own Sue Ferguson Johnson in isolation and recovery after surgery. We pray for the return of her strength, help her fight infection and overcome challenges after surgery. 
be with Wes as he attends to her and gives care. For Maxine and others in our community who are isolated and restricted in their movement because of imposed quarantine. And for those in our community who are pregnant or because of age or suppressed immune systems are self-isolated. For Jim and Renette who have transitioned to Texas and for Jim earlier than expected. We're grateful that you have gotten ahead of travel restrictions. We pray for your health, your safety, and a blessing of connection with new community and neighbors. For God's Little Acre and its staff, our day center, and volunteers who are stretched and stressed. And for the community served by God's Little Acre who are already at the margins of the health system and more exposed than anyone to risks. With Mark and Anna Elena, we pray that final treatments will lead to healing and wholeness in Mark's body and spirit. And we continue to hold Caitlin and Zach, the prayer for new life in Caitlin's body. We trust in your care. We give thanks for a heartening test result after scary possibilities. And we pray for protection and health for Caitlin and the little one. Now hear the prayers of your people gathered, whether spoken aloud or held silently in our spaces. Continued prayer for Casey, as he has been out of work almost four months and still can't walk on his leg yet. We pray for people in nursing homes everywhere who cannot have visits from their loved ones for the foreseeable future. Prayers for my brother in Madison, Wisconsin, who is having cardiac issues, is in hospital in Madison, Wisconsin, and we'll get a pacemaker Monday. Hope the coronavirus or any other thing doesn't bother. We pray for students that are uncertain about what the next month will be like, being at home for so long and not able to be a part of regular activities, whether it be sports or 
extracurricular learning or music. It is such a strange time. We ask for prayers of peace. For everyone working in healthcare systems, inpatient and outpatient, who are not able to stay home from work for good reason and are uh, bravely going forth and, and providing the care that's needed. Pray for their cover of protection and strength and wisdom. We pray for our grandson, Kellen, who has asthma respiratory problems that he not uh, get worse. Um, our oldest son, John Andrew, is traveling through Europe right now, and he's trying to decide whether he should come home before he's not able to, but just for wisdom and his decisions, he might be quarantined when he comes home, so maybe it's better for him to stay away. We want to uh, remember the Goshen College students who are traveling back from SST. Liam is in Ecuador, and so his uh, placement there is ending, and Goshen is, is uh, having all students return. So in the next two or three days, four days, or whenever they can get a flight, uh, Liam will be returning from Ecuador to Seattle. May we be an encouragement to each other in this time. As we close, let us hear these words of petition from Jan Richardson. Will you meet us in the ashes? Will you meet us in the ache and show your face within our sorrow and offer us a word of grace that you are life within the dying that you abide within the dust that you are what survives the burning that you arise and make us new and in our aching you are breathing and in our weeping, you are here within the hands that bear your blessing and fold us within your love.
Amen. Amen. Uh, I am very aware that it is almost 10 o'clock, but I am going to, uh, so I'm going to give anyone permission to, uh, if you need to leave the group to go ahead and leave, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, first of all, post the scripture text and then do hopefully a brief uh, reflection on our, on our narrative lectionary text with this, which this week is from Mark 12. We continue with Jesus in Mark 12 and he is um, sort of deep, deep in on his journey toward um, toward the cross as we as we continue through Lent um, and deep in his entanglements with uh, power structures within the Jewish uh, sort of the Jewish hierarchy and this this Sunday for Mark there are two stories and I'm both of them have to do with entanglement in unjust systems and he is in conversation with powerful leaders so I'm not going to read through it although you are welcome to click through to that link yourself to the text but I will, uh, I will sort of summarize and, and make a few comments. So the first story is a story about a man who builds a vineyard, and who digs the pit for the wine press, he erects the tower, he encloses the vineyard with a, fa with a, with a fence. Um, and this is, anyone who would be listening to Jesus, these would have, this would have been so familiar to them because it's straight out of, um, out of Isaiah 5, is a really familiar beginning. Um, but then the the story takes a turn, at least it would have for his listeners, when Jesus says the man leaves for another country and he leaves his, his hands in the hands of tenant farmers. Um, and this also actually would have been familiar to Jesus' listeners because he's in conversation with um, the religious elite, so the, the priests in the temple, and this would have been familiar to them because they themselves are landowners. They would have land somewhere elsewhere outside of Jerusalem, and they themselves would have left this land in the hands of tenants. So they're listening to Jesus talk, begin a story about a man who leaves his land in the hands of tenants, uh, that leaves vineyards uh, in the hands of tenants. And so as, as the story proceeds, Jesus says, so the landowner is ready to collect the produce, ready to collect the rent on the land, the landowner's portion of what comes from this land. So the landowner sends a slave or servant to collect, and what do the tenants do? Well, they don't hand over the rent. In fact, the tenants rebel and they say, well, we're not going to pay, and they beat this servant and they send the servant back to the landlord. Um, and then this, this part of the story sort of repeats itself. It happens multiple times. The landowner sends someone to collect on his land and the tenants um, they beat or even kill the people that the landowner has sent to collect on, on the land. Um, multiple times this happens until no one is left but the landowner's son. So the landowner sends his precious beloved to collect on the rent. And the tenants think, uh, right, they, they rightly think, if the landowner has sent the heir, uh, then we'll kill him and the land can be ours. Now, the story doesn't say this in the Bible. The text doesn't say it in the Bible. But what they believe is the landowner must be dead. And so according to the law of the time, they believe if we kill the son, then squatters rights, the land is going to be ours. It's going to, we'll get it. So there's this dynamic between a landowner, some, who may or may not be just or unjust 
himself, but definitely as a person of means. Some tenants who are refusing to, they're rebelling, but are rebelling violently against the landowner. And there's the beloved son who has been killed. So what Jesus is doing with this story is he's, he's, he's sort of drawing these leaders into a story that they think they understand. They think they understand it because, both because uh, it's very familiar to them from Isaiah, in which in that case, God is the beloved, or God is the landlord and tending to the land, which is Israel. And so they think they sort of have this figured out. But Jesus flips it because he's, he's giving them another way to identify with the story, which is, oh, we're landowners. We know how this goes. But then Jesus says to them, he quotes from the psalm. He says that the, the stone that the builders rejected has become this cornerstone. And they realize when he says that, what they realize is, um, is that they are not the landowner in this situation, actually. They are the tenants, and they have refused and refused and refused, and they've done so sometimes um, to great harm. And what they understand also is that as landlords, if they were in this situation, they would come down very, very harshly on their tenants, which is what exact, exactly what God says, what Jesus says, says will happen is the tenants will be destroyed and the land will be given to someone else. So we have this sort of very complicated and unjust system in which the religious leaders see themselves implicated. At least that's the way that um, Jesus tells the story. They realize uh, they've refused to listen to God's servant, or at least Jesus has told them, you have refused to listen to God's servant. You've refused to listen to the prophets and over and over again, the prophets calling for justice uh, and, I hear, and them refusing and God's initiation again and again and again. And, and the leaders of Israel thinking they can control and own what belongs to God. So then story two, Jesus is in conversation with different religious leaders uh, and tells another story about turning over to God what belongs to God. So the question is put to Jesus, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? And uh, I was struck that I, was, I started working on my taxes uh, this week. And... Uh, and so this question was in my mind about the complications of how you pay taxes. And the question was put to Jesus, is it right to pay taxes? Um, and we often hear this story when Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Uh, as sort of a simple, uh, just injunction. Yep, you're supposed to pay your taxes. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But actually what, what, what happens here is first, Jesus asks the religious leader for a denarius. Um, and what's so remarkable about this is Jesus does not have one. Now, a denarius is the coin of the empire. It's the coin of Caesar. And on that coin, uh, if, you, if you saw it, you would see the image of Caesar. And not only the image of Caesar, but an inscription that uh, names Caesar as the divine one, as a god. And so, first of all, Jesus is saying, I don't have one of these, but you do. So he is implicating this religious leader simply by, um, by the religious leader producing this coin, that that leader is implicating himself as being tied up in empire. And, uh, and that is a question that is very live at that time, is how entangled should we be in the the land? Who's who's who elite? Who do we 
give allegiance to by this coin that this man has in his pocket, he is saying that he does not have a single allegiance, which is to God. And Jesus, by asking him, is saying, I don't have this, but you do. He's sort of, uh, they're each by virtue of Jesus not having the coin and this man having this coin, claiming just by that where their allegiance lies. And so what Jesus says is, yes, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Uh, and so if, if we're going to be tangled up in the world of empire, then yes, we give, we render unto the empire what, what belongs there and we give to God what is God's, which when we think about what, what belongs to God, everything, all of our lives, all of ourselves, all of everything. Um, so Jesus is inviting his listeners to think about where their allegiance is. And, um, and it is complicated, isn't it? When, we, uh, when I sort of sit figuring out my taxes and all of the different forms and the things that I'm missing and who do I have to contact for that? And um, if that's a world we're gonna be tangled up in, then, then we need to you know, figure out how to untangle that and respond in the best way we can. And at the same time, uh, continue to remember uh, where our allegiance truly is and whose we truly are. Uh, Jesus is recalling that primary uh, naming of allegiance of Judaism, which is uh, God is God and God alone and God's is who we are and all who we are. Um, and I think that is a perfect segue into our offering time. Uh, and again, of course, we can't pass an offering, but we do have an opportunity to bless the gifts that we do offer, which belong to God. And uh, again, I'm going to just give you a link. I'm going to offer you the link to, the, to our donate page so that if you do feel like giving today, you are welcome to go over there and make a donation. And... Uh, and many of us give in ways that don't involve an offering plate anyway. So may, may we give what is God's to God, and may God use those to bless the work of God's kingdom here and in the whole world. Uh, our benediction will be one that I will sing. It's a familiar one, and it has action. So if you know the actions, you can do the actions. I'm going to start just a little bit. I'm going to sing peace before us and I invite you to sing in your places and do the actions if you want to do the actions and um, and you, you know if you can stand up and wiggle around a little bit then that that works great too I can't quite stand up because you won't see me then but I'm just going to sing the peace before us verse and then once I've finished singing if you would like to turn your microphones on and say hello or share or add something to the chat then you're welcome to do that oh and then I'm I'll do also offer a Anyone who has announcements can chime in with announcements after we've uh, sung together. Peace before us, peace behind us, peace under our feet. Peace within us, peace over us, let all around us be peace. I'm going to do it one more time. Peace before us, peace behind us, peace under our 
Peace within us, peace over us, let all around us be peace. Oh, may it be so. I, I had to do it again because I just loved seeing you all do the actions. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, I would like to invite, I'm going to turn our recording off, and if anyone has announcements, I would invite you to offer, to unmute yourself and share announcements. <laughs>